He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Hey, this is Dick Morris talking, as I always do, about the inhabitants of our political zoo. Oh, excuse me, Tur- excuse me. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Dick. I'm so, so sorry. I just have to met- mention this to my great friend. Happy birthday. Yeah. Now we get the Happy birthday, Dick. Well, thank you. That's cool. 74 years old. That's pretty damn good these days. Great. Actually, it's lousy these days, but having survived COVID and everything, it's uh, pretty good. So everybody is wondering why Biden seems to be willing to sacrifice his entire political career and his presidency. And while he's in the bargain, the Congress and the Democratic Party to have this mandate for the vaccines. I mean, it makes no sense at all. If the vaccine works, it means that. I am immune to the vaccine, to COVID. And if the guy next to me has not had a vaccine and he's not immune to COVID, that's his problem, not mine. Why should I have to wear a mask? And you go into these restaurants and bars and everything and they want your COVID card. Well, how about, how about evidence that you're, that you test negative? Uh, you know, that you don't have COVID. Uh, the, the point is that once you, once you've had this vaccine, you're immune. So why is it your, why is it anybody's business that somebody else is not having this vaccine? It's, it's just a, a it, on the surface, it seems like a power grab. But I don't think that's what it really is. I think you have to look a couple of moves down the road to understand what Biden is really doing. He got elected based on the idea of COVID being uh, something that he would deal with. He said, I have a plan for that. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to wipe this thing out and so on. And and that was the basis of his campaign. The only issue that he just clearly won against Trump was COVID. Oddly, while Trump was developing the vaccine that would solve the problem, but he got no credit for it, and Biden got credit for it just because he wore a mask and talked about it a lot. <laughs> then he takes office, and it becomes clear that he didn't stop it. It becomes clear that it's soaring. Uh, in 2021, when we've had the vaccine, we've had more deaths from COVID than in 2020 when we did not have the vaccine. Let that sink in. So Biden's claim that he would solve this problem is completely and totally specious. So in that context, he's going to go out and campaign for his party for the off-year elections, and he's going to run for president again maybe in 24. And people are going to say, hey, why did you let this virus go out of control? Why didn't you keep your campaign promise to control it? Uh, How come you failed in this, which was your central mission? 
And what I think he's going to say is he's going to say, don't blame it on me. Blame it on the people that won't get shots. So blame it on your lying, cheating, cold, dead, beating, two-time and double-dealing, mean, treating, loving hard. <laughs> I mean, put that person down, it's undecided. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. So, yeah, so the point is that now he can come out there and he can say, hey, look, uh, I required this mandate. I took a hit for it. Uh, I required everybody to get shots. I even said they'd lose their jobs. I went around forcing people to have shots. And there was there were about 25% of the population told me to get lost and go fly a kite, only they weren't that that polite. And uh, and and I couldn't do it. I can't hold them down and give them the shot. That would be illegal. So what I got to do here is to do the best I can as president, and I did. And don't blame me. This is an issue of blame. And Biden understands that if he can avoid the blame, he can avoid getting killed by the issue. So that's what's going on, folks. That's why Biden is doing this. It's not some power grab. It's not that the government loves to run your life. It's not that the uh, Pfizer is making a lot of money, although that's part of it. The main motivation is political, which is that he has got to escape blame for failure on COVID. Now, while all this is happening, uh, the weakness of America is so transparently obvious that Russia and China and our enemies throughout the world are going crazy uh, looking for a way to exploit Biden's weakness. It's, it's like, you know, a, a free shot on goal. Uh, you have uh, four years to take over as much of the world as you can. And they're trying to. Uh, China is probably going to invade Taiwan, and we probably will do nothing wow. except talk about it. Um, we certainly are not going to go to war for Taiwan, even though we're pledged to. Uh, we, uh, Russia is about to invade Ukraine. They have hundreds of thousands of troops on the border. And you know what Biden's response to this is? He told Congress, told, is pressuring the Senate not to impose stronger sanctions on Russia for the Nord Stream pipeline. I'll come back to that in a sec. And he is threatening, believe it, hold your hat. He is threatening to have a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics in Beijing. What does that mean? The athletes participate. The crowds are there. The revenues flow in. The TV ratings go on. But the politicians can't come. <laughs> so he can't come. So diplomats can't come. And that's supposed to be a body blow to China to bring them to their knees. I uh, to understand that. Yeah, this guy is so incredibly, unbelievably weak, and he's showing up that weakness in front of Russia and China. He was my strongest weakness. I surrounded heart and
So um, Russia and China are Biden's strongest weakness. Well, anybody is, but, you know, those two are kind of high up there. And uh, and, and they are literally uh, running around the world taking stuff over. China is now asserting domination over the South China Sea in effect making it part of their national waterways, even though they're only allowed three miles. Uh, they're taking over basically a whole area of the of the world that's liquid, not land, uh, but may have oil and may have other resources, and, uh, and they're just claiming it for themselves, um, even though it's right off of Vietnam and right, right uh, off of Taiwan, but China wants it for itself and China's taking it. And Russia wants Ukraine and Russia is going to take it. The question is, does the world run out of land or does Biden's term end first? <laughs> Which it's a race. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that, and I think the world is losing that race. Oh and it's just horrible to watch this taking place. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I Let's go to Bobby in Larchmont, who has a question I guess a lot of you probably have these days. Hey, Bobby. All right. Mr. Morris, you are an intellectual genius. <laughs> and later today, I'll be handing out golden tickets on the Golden Cape Bridge. <laughs> Talking about the golden state of California, um, I know you argue this, like you, you've sworn your sword for this, but California's gone forever because of immigration, legal and illegal immigration. It's a hard left state now. Could rob up to a thousand dollars. Nobody will bother you. Yep. This is because of, of the immigration that's taken over that state. But you continue to deny this. Mm. I wonder why. Are you still part of the establishment and fronting it now? Because you know the people don't want to hear, you know, the open borders. The and reason, stuff like Bobby, that. the reason is that I'm data driven. Uh, I just did a poll uh, with John McLaughlin and John Jordan uh, two weeks ago. I have a thousand Hispanic voters in the United States all citizens, all likely voters. And I found that Trump, who had gotten 26% of the Latino vote in 19, in 2016 and went to 24% of the vote in 2020, is now, I'm sorry, he was at 26 in 2016. He was at 34% in 2020. And my poll now has him at 38%. And obviously, by 2024, he'll probably be up over 40 and basically come very close to carrying the Latino vote. So I'm reading the numbers, man. And uh, and I know that in the past, Latinos have voted solidly Democrat. I know that in California, they've tipped the whole balance of politics and state. But I would argue that that's less because of illegal immigration than it is the way the way California handled illegal immigration. Texas and Florida both assimilated the Hispanics and Latinos into their culture. You can't go to a restaurant in either place without ordering in Spanish, basically, because the food is so good and so pollinated with the cuisine of these other countries. In California, when they arrived there, they voted for a ballot proposition saying they couldn't send their kids to school and if they did, they could only learn in English. 
And Latinos thought that that was really bigoted, so they voted against it. And it polarized California into two opposite camps staring at each other. Now, that may be breaking. There may be a willingness to tolerate it. But don't let that stop the rest of the Latino population from voting Republican. And the Democrats are, are flawed, fundamentally wrong in saying that they can root for more Hispanic immigration, cram Democratic districts with Hispanics to gerrymander, because it's going to blow up in their face. We carried the Rio Grande Valley, Laredo, Texas, which Hillary won by something like 30 points, went for Trump. And uh, all of the Jim Wells County, Kennedy County, all of those along the Rio Grande in Texas went Republican this year for the first time ever. And that's and that that's why I've taken the view that I have on immigration. Now, one of the things that Biden is doing is this per child tax credit. Bill Clinton passed one that was a thousand uh, dollars, and then he raised it to two thousand per child. And Biden has taken him one better and is now making it thirty six hundred dollars per child. But we're not understanding what this is. It's welfare. It's no-fault welfare. At first, there was no welfare, and people were supported by churches and charities when they lost their jobs, and they went hungry, bread lines, soup kitchens. Then we initiated program of welfare, but only for families of dependent children. In other words, it was only for single mothers who had kids, and there was no no other person in the household around to work. It used to be no man, now it's no partner. And then Bill Clinton came along and he said, okay, you can continue to do this, but you have to work. There's a work requirement here and you can only stay on for five years. This can't be a way of life. It just is a safety net to take care of an emergency situation. And uh, and under that, the welfare rolls were cut more than in half. And while that happened, child poverty dropped by a third. And we really were solving this problem. Then Biden came back in and instituted this, not with a work requirement, not with any means test. You don't have to show you're poor. You don't have to show you're single. You don't have to show there's no other wage earner. You don't have to show that you're living in poverty. And you certainly don't have to work. And you don't have to get off it in five years. It's a permanent tax credit. And when he says tax credit, that's just the technical term. It really is a refundable tax credit. So if you don't pay $3,600 per child in income taxes, you get a check from the government. And then he did something even more pernicious. You get the check, but you don't get it every year. You get it every week or every month. I think every every month. And so it resembles a welfare payment or every two weeks. I forget. But the point is you continue to get a check all the time. So it's just like welfare. Uh, it's, it's not any different from that, except that on welfare you have to be a single mother, you have to have dependent kids, you have to work, and you have to be subject to time limits. For this, you don't need anything at all. So your full-time job here could be uh, to be on welfare. Tell me not to live just sitting butter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. 
don't rain on my parade, the message of the woke left to the Biden administration. We want those checks to keep coming in. And when Biden passed this, is passing the stimulus bill, he said, oh, I'm going to cut the cost. I'm going to cut the cost from uh, $3.5 trillion, uh, to only $1.7 trillion. But the key thing he did in cutting the cost was he dressed it up and he took the child uh, program, the, the subsidy, and he funded it for only one year. And he took pre-K and he funded it for only one year. The budget requires you fund it for 10 years. And they count the whole thing as part of the deficit. But he didn't want to count it as part of the deficit. So he pretended that after a year, the program won't exist. Baloney. What are they going to do? Stop sending checks that people have come to expect? Throw these kids out of kindergarten, out of pre-K school and close them all down? They can't do that. This entitlement is here to stay. And Biden passed it knowing it was here to stay. But the thing that nobody really covered is this destroyed the concept of workfare. It destroyed the concept of having to work in order to get a welfare benefit. And I, I know because I was I'm credited with being the person that got Bill Clinton to sign uh, welfare reform, and I think that's correct. I know when he signed it, Stephanopoulos handed me a five dollar bill because that was our bet. <laughs> but but the uh, I think that this this shatters the work requirement, and people just don't talk about that. Uh, but it's a very very serious issue. Let's go to John in Bay Ridge. Hey, John. Right. Great to be on the show with you. And um, I just like to say that there's also what's called unfunded mandates to the states where they have these government programs that they have to fund. They're basically put out by the federal government, robbing the U.S. taxpayer. And also a lot of illegal aliens and legal immigrants are on welfare. We're not talking about that. They use phony tax ID numbers so they can get the child tax credit while they're working off the books and collecting welfare. It's disgusting, but they're they're just it's like a big smorgasbord. Those are both great points, John. Let me amplify the first one. Not only do some of these programs cut off after one year, which is phony, just the budget gimmick, but what they do is that they is that they uh, say that after that the state has to chip in and pay for it. Uh, feds will pay for it all the first year or the second year, but by the third and fourth and fifth years, more and more the states have to pick up that share. That is a plot, a conspiracy by Biden and the Democrats to force Florida and Texas to adopt income taxes. They can't stand that there are these two states that lead the country in prosperity, lead the country in low unemployment because they don't have an income tax and they want to break their will not to have an income tax. So they want them to enlisted to take these wonderful programs. Come on, just take a little heroin. It won't hurt you. Uh, you'll enjoy it. It'll make your weekend nicer. Take take another shot. I'll Don't do worry about it. And then afterwards, hey, I can't give you any more money for it. <laughs> now it's up to you. Now you have to raise your money. So that's what's going on. One of the things they might do to fund it is to get gold um, because the price of gold has Absolutely gone up and up and up and up. Uh, it's pretty incredible. It's now at 1865 an ounce. And just 60 days ago, it was at 1735 an ounce. Uh, these are not just play numbers. 
It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. And one and I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Every breath you take. that song folks stand up and remove your hat and put your hand over your heart you have just heard the irs national anthem oh my god (laughs) every move you make every breath you take i will be watching you and it's not just me it's eighty-six thousand new irs agents that biden is hiring for the sole purpose of watching you Oh, now he says, this is just for rich people. Uh, We're not going to go after you for your tax deduction. We're not going to go after you. Of course not. We wouldn't think about it. It's only for rich people. If you believe that, you should buy this Brooklyn Bridge that's out my window. Uh, This is obviously, this is a form of class warfare. He has designed a method of going after rich people. and But that's not the worst part. The rich people have to pay a lot more. That's bad. It'll hurt the economy. That's bad. A disincentive to success. That's bad. But the worst part of it is that it is a mechanism for political control of the American people. Because this, because when they do that, they can find something on everybody. There was once a prosecutor, Saul Wachler, who said that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich. <laughs> And then he's absolutely right. Uh, everybody has done something where they could be indicted for it, whether you know it or not. And the best way to find it is a close, close review of your income tax return with the slightest error. You added the math wrong. Well, that could be construed as concealing income. And, uh, okay, so they don't send you to jail. They can't get that far. But they sure can arrest you. They sure can indict you. They can sure put you off to jail for a, for a few hours until they get, you get sprung on bail, if there is still bail. And, uh, but, but the point is that your reputation is ruined. You'll have something to explain for the rest of your life. You'll be branded a tax cheat. You hang your head in shame. You can't get a loan. You can't get a job. You can't, your credit rating goes to hell, uh, because you made a mathematical adding mistake in your, in your IRS form. And that's how totalitarian governments do it. That's how they control people in Eastern Europe, in the post-communist governments that are not so post-communist. They go through tax returns intimately with the goal of getting something on everybody. And once they get something on you, you are stuck for the rest of your life. And that is with the danger of these 86,000 new agents. 
I personally don't care if somebody has to pay more in taxes. It's, it's crazy. It's a total waste of money. hurts the economy and so on. But what really jams me about this is that it is a mechanism for political control. The IRS is staffed with malignant Robin Hoods who are do, doing what they do because they want to soak the rich. They believe in it. It's, a, it's what a Marxist does when he graduates from college. It's the next step in the career ladder, up from being a weatherman. And I don't mean, a, you know, I don't mean on ABC or anything. I mean a weatherman. And um, these guys are are dedicated to screwing rich people. And they took a job where they can do that. And they revel in it. And the union that represents them, the Treasury Workers Union, is the most radical union there is. I mean, it's a totally communist outfit, like the Longshoremen used to be. And uh, they and now they will pounce on this and use this as a method of political coercion. Now, the Republicans seized on one of the provisions, which required that when cash transactions go in over a certain amount meaning deposits or withdrawals, and then ultimately not cash, just withdrawals and deposits, the account would become visible to the government. But And they got that removed. But that's minor. The point is 86,000 people pouring over your tax return. Think about your tax return. Think about what you did. Think about if you were absolutely certain that every single I was dotted and T was crossed and you never did anything that stepped over the line to take a deduction you shouldn't have. And uh, you'll understand how vulnerable each of us really is. Uh, And that is the problem with this uh, stimulus bill, with the infrastructure bill. It builds an infrastructure of tyranny, an infrastructure of government control, an infrastructure of coercion and blackmail and really undermines our freedom. Let's go to Andrew and Stanhope. Hi, Andrew. You're right. And also, like you pointed out, with uh, investment in this country, money then gets invested overseas elsewhere, where it's more friendly to make do business and more chance of making money. Like my ex-girlfriend is somewhat affluent. She's originally from China. She owns a business here, but she invests. Oh, man, don't break up with her. <laughs> Andrew. Oh, what are you crazy? Andrew, are you nuts? Oh, how old is she? Ha- she's affluent? She's uh, about 45, I would say. What but, is she, uh, like, really ugly or something? Oh. <laughs> oh stunning. Come on. She's affluent, she's man. Stunning. And stunning. Oh, oh my God. Oh, she's real tall. By the way, I appreciate you calling in, but tomorrow have her call in. So I get her number. <laughs> or just come in. Yeah, or just come in. Okay, but what's your question? Me too, so she would be a great caller. But I want to say um, the opposite of her and like the Asian cultures is uh, welfare. What you did was a win-win because you took people off welfare, which is good, makes independent, but also then there's more resources for the people that actually need it instead of people being jammed. There's there's an untold story about that that I'd like to tell you. the uh, after we passed welfare reform, Bill Clinton, one of the most brilliant things he did, and receives no credit for it, he got the White House staff to make phone calls to all of the Fortune 500 companies, uh, 
and said, I want you to pledge to hire a certain number of former welfare recipients in your company. I don't have the legal authority to compel you, but I want you to do it. It's your patriotic duty because we've just passed welfare reform. And I'm going to have a White House conference and invite you and give you credit publicly for all that you're doing. And if you don't, you'll not be on the list, and I'll point out that you're not on the list. I can't make you do this, but I can shame you into doing it. And the result was that he created one million job openings for parents of of children who were on welfare, mothers who had been who who had been on welfare and now had to get jobs, and he called these companies and they offered them jobs, and these were not dead end jobs; these weren't raking leaves or anything. These were in the corporate hierarchy of a Fortune 500 company, and these former welfare recipients moved up and up and up, and a lot of the growth in black income that we boast about with Trump originated with this policy of Clinton's, and uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Now, I believe that the solution to this whole problem we've been facing of uh, school boards that do not listen to parents, that that, that impose pornography and sexually explicit material on our kids and uh and and require them to learn critical race theory and require them to uh and encourage them to go through gender change surgery and encourage trans people to run in girls sports i think all of this could be solved if we elected parents to school boards but jesus and That's Jesus and Mama in alphabetical and, order. And we missed church this morning, by the way. Yeah, we did. Yeah. There you go. So, um, but Mama still loves me. And mine too. Yeah. Um, we, the important point here is put parents on school boards. Change the process so that if you have a 10-member school board, seven of the members have to be parents of kids currently in the school system over which they're presiding. And when the kid graduates, the parent has to leave the board and a new parent gets elected. And the parents should be elected but only by parents. Uh, there should be two sets of vo- votes for school boards, parents only and everybody else. And that way the, the uh, unions will not control the school board, mm. nor will the woke political activists. What goes on now is these are low turnout elections. They're not scheduled on election day. Nobody even knows they're happening. And if they know they're happening, they don't know the candidates. But every teacher knows the exact name of the candidates and the place of the election and the date of the election. And they have to show up or otherwise there's hell to pay with their union. And the woke crazies do the same thing. And that's how you get these school boards that don't mind uh, giving out pornography to these fourth graders. Oh, that's so horrible. And uh, 
you need to change it, not just by changing this action or that action and saying this is porn, you can't do this, you can't do that, and don't let trans boys participate in girls' sports and so on. Do it by changing the governance, by changing who is allowed to sit on the school board and bring parents back into it uh, or into it for the first time. And uh, I think that this will be a would be a big big change in this whole system, parent power, because Jesus and Mama do in fact love me. Um, it's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on seventy seven WABC. And I'm wondering how I get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I got a joker sitting on my left side here, a guy named Doug DiPiero, who's been injecting his comments throughout this and interrupting me to wish me happy birthday. Happy birthday to right. you. And uh, Doug is a is an artist and a musician. He's a drummer in uh, various jazz bands, and uh, he's painted murals and wall paintings, um, some guys on Atlanta, on, in uh in Arthur Avenue, hired him to paint a mural of a whole bunch of them, and it was really cool. Rigoletto's. Rigoletto's is the restaurant, and he's he's really cool and very funny, and he really helps pick the music, which is quite something. Now, there are calls to... Everybody wants to somehow rein in big tech, and the thing they focused on is Section 320 of the Federal Decency Act, which is a thing about don't put pornography on the air. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's your work. How, how's that working out for yeah. you? <laughs> don't put pornography on the Internet. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. We got it, guys. school desk, though. Yeah. So um, Section 320 says that you can't sue uh, a an Internet provider for the content somebody else puts on it. Uh, so that if they, that some terrorist group or or pornography or anything puts something on their website, they can't be sued for it. The person who put it on can, but internet, but Google and Facebook and Amazon uh, and Microsoft cannot be sued for it. And that needs to be repealed because it gives them a total. It's been interpreted by the courts to mean that they can't really be sued for anything. It gives them a total free license to censor and to discriminate and to be partisan in the way they do it. But I want to talk about something more important to them. Section 320 can come or go, but it's not a life and death threat to their business. But I think that big tech should be forced to divest itself of the conflict of interest inherent in their commercial business. Have you gone on to Google lately and you want something? You say you need, uh, you know, you need a, a, a table. Say write a table and you specify it's a kitchen table and a little bit about it. And all of a sudden, 10 or 12 different companies pop up offering a, a kitchen table. If you look further, you'll find that many of those companies, most of those companies, certainly all the ones that pop up right away, are being put there by Amazon. Uh, Amazon either owns the company or is doing the marketing for the company and getting paid for it. So on the one hand, they have the search engine, and on the other hand, they have the thing you're searching for. And 
about over 90% of the searches are through Google and, uh, and a good portion, a huge portion of the stuff they sell is controlled or made by Google. And it's a very basic, it's, it's the fundamental part of their revenue. And that needs to be a segregation of those two, a divestiture. But that's not going to be easy. Breaking up is hard to do. Don't take do, 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 your love away from me. Come down, don't you do down, down. Yeah, breaking up is sure hard to yeah. do. and uh, But it's essential. Otherwise, Amazon and Microsoft and Google and Facebook are going to take over everything in this country. Uh, what mom-and-pop retailer can compete with uh, with Amazon? Uh, and the what Amazon does then is it goes around and it says to the retailers, you don't have to compete. I'll sell your products on my search engine. But I'll charge you a certain amount for it. I want a piece of your revenues, and uh, you have to cut me in. And everybody's going to do that. And it means that they will control every single thing that's being sold in the country. And some of us say, well, you know, people can still go back to shopping with their feet and go out someplace. But come on. The election of 2020 taught us, taught us that remote voting always beats coming out to vote. Any pizza delivery man would tell you that. And the remote shopping you can do from Amazon. Remember they used to say, let your fingers do the walking? Well, that's what that's what's going on, and it is increasingly taking over the marketplace. And there is absolutely necessary for us to divest them of that control. It reminds me very much of something that happened in the mid-1970s, and I have a very intimate connection with that. I'll tell you about it. Um, there was a lawsuit to break up AT&T, and uh, I learned about it from Bess Meyerson, who was the former consumer commissioner in the U.S., in New York. And um, Bess, uh, Bess and I were friendly, and Bess was very friendly with a woman named Eileen McGann. Hmm. And uh, – Bess told me that she wanted me to work on an amicus brief to file in the ATT breakup lawsuit. And she said, I'd like you to work with Eileen McGann. And I was divorced at the time. Bess was actually helping me shop for girlfriends. <laughs> and, um, and I, uh, and I really, I really liked Eileen and I thought, boy, it'd be great. What a chance. And then she told Eileen and Eileen said, I don't like him. <laughs> and so Beth said, what you got against him? And he said, she said, I'll do all the work and he'll take all the credit. <laughs> so anyway, I charmed her. And, Was she right? Well, I worked at it. All right. okay, okay. I charmed her. Right. And actually the first date I said, why don't I prepare a draft of it all and you can just okay it. And that was a relief to her. You so, knew what you were doing. Yeah. I mean, I had a really good ulterior motive. <laughs> Worked like a charm, let me tell you. <laughs> she didn't know you were Dick Morris yet, though. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't Dick Morris yet. So, but what that lawsuit accomplished is it said that AT&T could not both be a data provider and a telephone company. 
It couldn't both be someone that would handle data and someone that would send communications by voice. And I didn't understand what the hell that was about. But I wrote it and I talked about it. And then it became clear what we were talking about. The only reason the Internet didn't come about until the 80s is that we had rotary dial telephones kept there by ATT. And with a rotary dial phone, there's no beep, 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 so they can't send anything digitally. Mm. And the phone company knew that, and they knew that digital communication would create emails that would put telephone companies and uh, voice communication out of business. So they deliberately kept dial telephones, and it was this lawsuit that forced the breakup. And obviously, it was a major change in the whole life of our country or the world. And this breakup I'm talking about, this divestiture is just as important because we're facing a situation where the retail with Google and Microsoft and uh, Amazon uh, will take over the world. Uh, they'll control every retail outlet in the country. Now, if there was ever an antitrust violation, it's that. But with their political power, it'll be a cold day in hell before they get Congress to pass action divesting them of that. And what you need to do is to press legislators to pass that. Now, this is one of the very rare bipartisan issues in this country. The head of the Progressive Congressional Caucus, the, the crazies, is a woman named J. Powell from uh, Washington State. And she has a great bill in to divest uh, a di divest the internet companies and the search engines of the ability to sponsor products. It's a great bill. It's endorsed by a lot of conservatives like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, Hawley, the senator from Missouri, the Republican conservative, and it's truly a bipartisan issue. And uh, this is something that we can do now. We can get it accomplished and really, really take our country back from them. So I want to go to uh, Larry in Brooklyn. Hey, Larry. Yes, I did. Uh, I've been waiting patiently. You know, I have another theory about these uh, vaccine mandates. I think they're a big hoax. Let me explain. Okay, I think it's a page right out of Saul Alinsky's playbook. What they, what they want to do is uh, these, these mandates are going to be shot down by the Supreme Court because there has to be a compelling government purpose. Now, the compelling uh, government purpose is belied by the fact that they're not vaccinating the storm of immigrants coming from the southern border. So when they're shot down, they're gonna be, they're, there's going to be pyrrhic victories for the Republicans on the right. And those pyrrhic victories are intended to distract everybody from the, inv the massive invasion that's going on in our country. You mean illegal immigration? Yes. Yeah. Well, break your argument apart. I'm not at all confident that the Supreme Court will toss out these mandates because there clearly is a government purpose and uh, they can relate it. And the court has always granted broad latitude in issues of health. Uh, so I'm not at all confident it will be thrown out. Um, but I think that the reason that we have these vaccine mandates is that Biden wants political cover because he knows that he has failed in the central task he set for himself in his 2020 campaign, which is to bring COVID under control 
and bring the country back to normal. That was the crux of his entire campaign. And even as Trump was doing it by developing the vaccine and getting blamed for it and getting no credit and people were saying, oh, you're fixing the FDA, um, he was solving the problem. But Biden has done nothing about it. We've had more COVID deaths this year than we did last year. And we've had the vaccine this year and we didn't have it last year. So Biden needs cover for this. So what he's going to do is say, look, don't blame me. I did my best. I passed this mandate. I ordered them all to get shots. I said we'd fire them if they didn't get shots. And they didn't get shots. What do you want me to do? Captain, captain with a lasso, lasso them and tie them down and give them a shot? I can't do that. And uh, you can't blame me. I did everything I could. So the fundamental issue here is blame. And Biden wants an ability to distract everybody and to deflect blame. Um, so in our show today, we talked about that, about the, uh, the lack of – about how Biden wants to escape blame. We talked about how Russia and China are kind of in a free fire zone right now. They can grab anything they want. You know, when, the, when Oklahoma was opened up to settlement – in the 19th century. Uh, it was a very prime land, great farmland, had oil and everything. So they had what was called the Oklahoma Land Rush. And they put a, uh, a starting block where they everybody had to line up at it. And every hundreds and thousands of covered wagons, horses and oxen drew up. And when the gun went off, they all ran into the Oklahoma Territory, and they could claim for themselves anything that they wanted, get rich quick. And uh, they did. Well, that's what's going on now. Russia and China are engaged in a land grab wow. to take over the South China Sea, to take over Taiwan, to take over the Ukraine, to guarantee uh, – to take over much of the Arctic. And it's going on right under the nose of this moron we have as president who is too weak to do anything about it. And while they're doing this, he wants to weaken the sanctions against Russia and he wants to do nothing to punish China. Um, unbelievable. We talked about how the IRS is being deployed as an army, really, uh, a police state to crack down on dissidents and people who have the temerity to vote Republican. We talked about the importance of having parents serving on school boards chosen by special elections among only parents because you're never going to solve the problems with our schools until you bring parents in and give them power. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.